You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Gospel According to John in what is now known as the 18th chapter, 33rd verse. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world then Pilate said to him so you are a king Jesus answered you say that I am a king for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? What is truth? And I've been echoing the words of Pilate for a long time. Felt like it could have been me there with a confused look on my face, staring at a man I was just getting to know, condemned Messiah. And I posed there with every bit of my confidence and every bit of my curiosity, hoping he'd have an answer that would satisfy me. And I picture an underground crowd of wanderers and skeptics lurking in the corners, who feel like someone finally asked the question they all been wanting to. They creep out from the darkness to stand behind me with all the confidence of a mob and the curiosity of a child who knows nothing and asks everything. They look around at each other 
as if they have just become aware they all share the same energy and as if it were all practiced together they become a choir of questions they sing to Jesus verses and bridges of doubt and scrutiny and the chorus goes what is true what is true My name is Joseph Solomon. I'm a singer, songwriter, poet, spoken word artist, YouTuber, lifelong student, ever doubtful Christian, frequent flyer. Welcome to the Flights and Feelings podcast, where we thoughtfully and vulnerably travel through faith, relationships, sexuality, science, health, and culture via storytelling, poetry, and conversation. I want to give a special shout out to the great folks over at the Flights and Feelings Sky Club on Patreon. Thank you all so much for joining me in this way and supporting me in this way um, and really just making that community something that I didn't imagine it being. It really has been a great source of financial support, but it's also just been just dope to have, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Man, and then last week, y'all really, some of y'all conspired to, uh, draw some thug tears out of your boy man y'all really been a blessing to me so thank y'all so so much for those of y'all who want more content want early content and really i think the crux of this has kind of been the way that we organically engage through zoom hangouts twice a week for a couple of hours and we chop up about current events about faith about a lot of the things that we talk about on the podcast that really break down life in, a, in an authentic and careful way so if you would like to dive deeper into these conversations along with me on Patreon, feel free to go to patreon.com slash what is Joe doing and become a member of the Flights and Feelings Sky Club. So for this episode, I kind of want to do something that I did in an earlier episode talking about depression, because this topic sort of has some overlap for me when it comes to depression, for sure. And so because of social distancing and stuff like that and, you know, just trying to find new people for this podcast interview, I kind of like the the format of interviewing myself in a sense. And I I got some really great feedback on that episode as well. So I kind of want to do that to add just another layer of texture for this rather than just me talking the entire time. I think this is going to be a great, uh, great topic to discuss. And I'm looking forward to the feedback and questions and just thoughts in general about this particular episode. So, Joe, welcome to the Flights of Feelings podcast. Thanks so much for being a guest here today. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Glad to be here. Yeah, and obviously glad to have you here, especially because I kind of feel like you're sort of known for speaking on 
issues of faith and and doubt and depression that sort of has become your brand, whether you like it or not, that seems to be what people sort of refer to you for in that space. And I think people are looking for more honest and authentic conversations around that, uh, particularly this topic of deconstructing faith. I don't even know if a lot of people have put that term on it, but that's sort of what's happening. And I don't mean deconstruction like in a, I guess in a, I want to add my own definition to it because I know the deconstruction is, is definitely uh, associated with French philosopher Jacques Derrida, who's decon- you know deconstructionism, but there's some overlap in that. But it's this idea of like taking what you know, and then sort of breaking that down, and sort of really getting through in the the dirt of it all, at the sort of ground level of what you believe, and, and questioning questioning whether or not it's a valid belief. You know, and I think that especially this year with without even going down the list of all the things that have happened this year, it's like, man, we're only halfway through the year and it feels like it's been 12 months. It, it January feels so long ago and yet so not so long ago. It's a weird feeling. And so people are really going through a sort of crisis of faith in some sense, maybe not even, a, I don't know if crisis is a word, but just sort of sitting back and saying, man, I, I, I think I've been believing this for a long time and it's been easy to believe it in the face of general sort of certainty about life. Even if I go through my own personal problems, to some degree, I have a, a sense of certainty about how life should work and how God should work in life. But these days, the, a lot of that is kind of out of the window for some people. Like, what do I believe about a lot of stuff? And and as a Christian, how does that, how, how does my worldview account for all the things that are happening right now? Or is Christianity the worldview that I want to use to account for everything that's happening in life right now? So just kind of want to get your sort of general thoughts on, on, on that. Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of us, uh, for a lot of people, I don't think that it's the current events that have made people begin to question the grounds of their faith or, and not to say that you're questioning all of your Christian faith. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe you're just questioning certain parts of it and who's right about what, but something like this, I think more so is just the great sort of exposure of things that you already had going on underneath your faith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. that you haven't quite settled on, Mm -hmm. you know, and for a lot of people, we tend to go through life with our faith. That's happening less and less now because of the internet, but we tend to sort of get our faith in a neat little package and this is what I believe about everything. This mm-hmm. is this is the clear-cut black and white truth that I believe about this part of life, about marriage and about uh, life and about afterlife and about government and about whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And you don't want anything to touch it. And for the most part, if you live a rather unscathed life or, or even live in a country that is, for the most part, 
unscathed for the Christian, then you can get away with it to some degree. You can sort of isolate yourself to other people who believe and talk and sound just like you. And you don't really have to bump up against anything. You don't have to check whatever you believe. And then when someone does check whatever you believe, someone disagrees with whatever you believe, uh, then because you haven't thoroughly thought through it yourself and really examined it yourself, then what happens is you, you get, you get upset, (laughs) you know, and you sort of just cut that person off rather than engaging. You just like, well, this is, this is what it is. And you just got to believe it. And then you, you don't really have a rebuttal. You you have an emotional rebuttal because you don't have a sort of solid rebuttal. And that's not just for Christians though. Let me just go ahead and say that that's for a lot of people. I've been noticing that, especially these days online, it's not just Christians. It's it's everyone who has sort of adopted certain views about life, whether they be Christian or or non-Christian or even anti-Christian. And so because we've found comfort in seeing the world as easily as we have, when someone comes to disrupt that comfort, we tend to sort of avoid it, even if we're engaging with it. It looks like we're engaging with it in a sense of like uh, we may rebuttal very emotionally or upset or or even like sort of empty platitudes, very empty, you know, reasoning. I've seen Christians and non-Christians do this online and they're not really engaging thoughtfully. And it's just to protect our own comfort. But I don't think that's healthy for anyone. So when it comes to deconstructing faith, genuinely examining your faith, I think there tends to be two extremes of people. And this is just for conversation's sake. Obviously, there's obviously maybe some space in between. But it's kind of like Jenga, right? You have your blocks kind of set up. And as you're pulling out a few things, everyone's okay with pulling out a few things. Even the pastor does that to their congregants, calls them to pull out a few things that they may have believed wrongly about. And we're okay with that. We're okay with pulling a few things off the top, right? So you start off with Jenga and you just want to pull some things um, that are very easy to, to pull out. But eventually as you keep pulling things out, that framework gets a bit wobbly, right? So you, want to do one of two things. You just want to stop playing like this. Stop pulling out, stop pulling out the blocks. Okay. I don't want to pull out anything. I don't want to pull out any block and examine it and, and, and place it somewhere else in the stack. I don't want to do any of that. Just let me be in my nice little bubble. I want to stand and guard my Jenga tower the way that it is right now. My, my faith Jenga tower. And again, this can be applied to people who are not Christians as well. Definitely. So what you have is, especially for the Christian, you have people who, in the name of piety, in the name of faithfulness, are not willing to seriously examine their faith. And that can't be good because there will come a time where you'll be forced to examine your faith. You'll be forced to reckon with how does this fit in with what's happening right now? Now, how do how do I make sense of this? Everyone's going to have cognitive dissonance. There's always going to be some pieces that just don't match up in life. That's just part of the human experience. 
that some things are just not going to line up. And for the most part, Christians and or should I say humans can kind of go through life like that. We've we've made it okay with having some cognitive dissonance, right? With not all not having all the pieces line up. But there is a point where you allow those gaps to become so big, you're stretching, you're, allow, you're making the gaps between what you think to be true and what you know to be true. You're allowing that gap to grow so big that there, there might come a time in life where you're forced to reckon with that gap. And because you have not been constantly going back and examining these things, a situation in life may cause you to want to throw it all the way together almost overnight, it seems like. Mm. But it's not really overnight because there have been rifts that have been happening and little rips in your faith that have been happening for a long time and you've just been ignoring them. Wow. You know, you've yeah. just been ignoring these little cracks in the walls and these cracks in the foundation and then something comes along and gives it one last little bump and the whole thing falls. And, and to the outside, it looks like somebody who just... Who just let it go all overnight. overnight. And it's like, no, there yeah. were little cracks that were happening. Yeah. That were happening over time. Yeah. So we must be okay with stepping into the gray, with stepping into uncomfortable spaces. And I think that especially for the Christian who believes that God owns all things that are true. God has a monopoly on truth. And so I can step out. And I would say in an essence of faith, I believe that for me, at least my experience has been that curiosity feeds faith and faith feeds curiosity that when I step out, Knowing that I'm going to step out into truth, that's that's my ultimate goal. And for those people who do not wish to examine their faith at all, may find it to some degree, I'm not judging anyone, but it's a, it's a worthy question at least, is you not questioning your faith an act of faith. Like because you have found your nice little comfort zone and the way that you've made sense of the world up until this point that has given you comfort but faith has never been about staying in your comfort zone faith has always been about going forward into the uncertain spaces of life the wilderness of life knowing that there's no such thing as a wilderness that God has never camped in before. That God has never seen. And so for a long time, particularly in America, for the Christian, it's often been that the Christian would be called out into the wilderness. And that would be a very intentional choice to step outside of your comfort zone. And that choice is still available to all of us today. But more and more, as we move into the future and as we move into a very weird future, let's go ahead and say that. We're in the future right now. 2020 is the future and it's weird. It's just weird. So as 
as we sort of move into the future, or rather, should I say the future is moving into us and we're sort of moving into each other. It's not so much that we're going to have to be stepping out into the wilderness, but rather that the wilderness is encroaching on us. It's moving in on us. All the competing ideas about ultimate truth of life. What is truth? Everyone's asking what is truth. And so many people are giving an answer for it. And you don't have to go out looking for it in many ways. It's just there in your face. The wilderness is coming to you. And so one of the oddest feelings, most uncomfortable feelings about flying through turbulent air and it and it's kind of similar to that same feeling of what's scariest to me about roller coasters is that drop is that hundred it feels like a hundred foot drop in like a second i don't know i don't like it on the planes i don't like it. and there are some people i've ran into who who love turbulence i've i've literally found people yeah who <laughs> are like i love turbulence and uh, i just want to ask them who ma- who made you like that <laughs> who do who right who like, what have you been through in life? Yeah. <laughs> like, that. I feel like people, if you enjoy turbulence, I feel like you should bring that up in a counseling session. I feel like <laughs> a counselor will find something in your life. <laughs> a therapist will find something in your life that is connected to that just unnatural pleasure. Pleasure yeah. that you yeah. get from <laughs> a plane dropping. I don't know. I, I hate it. And one of the reasons why I hate it, why many of us hate it in that moment is that we're already suspended in the air, right? We're floating 10 to 30,000 feet in the air. And you still feel like something is holding you, though. Right? As you're floating through what feels like nothing, there is still something that is holding you and you're strapped into that thing with a seatbelt but for a moment though that drop feels like there's nothing beneath you and that is an odd feeling for creatures who are used to feeling ground up under their feet or a seat up under their butt like they're we're used to being couched on something whether we're running or we're laying down on a bed whatever there's always something that we could that we could reference as, okay, this is something solid I put myself on. But for a moment in that drop, you feel like there is nothing there. And it really does feel unnatural for a human. And so in the same sense about really examining our faith, it can be scary because it can feel like you may hit a point where it feels like nothing is holding you. As we're floating through this sort of emptiness of life, at least with our faith, there's some sense that something is holding us in this very open space of life. God is holding us. But when we come to really question that, it can it's scary because nobody wants to do that. Not nobody, but a lot of people don't want to do that because it can feel like nothing is holding you. 
even if it's just for a moment. And that's how, I mean, one of the first times I, I really had like suicidal ideation was when I really felt like God wasn't there. And I felt like everything that was holding me in life, you know, the the framework and the structure that I had for life, it, it, it all evaporated. And I'm like, what is what is holding this all together? What is holding me together? Am I in some free fall? So everything that you're saying uh, sounds dope, uh, sounds very intellectual uh, <laughs> and, you know, thought provoking or whatever may be. And it, you know, may even feel good. But should the Christian be doing a ton of deconstruction that like on the surface that kind of sounds counterintuitive as if it will sort of lead you down a sort of unending road that leads to uh, either something wildly different than Christianity, you know, or that'll lead you to nothingness, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it can, it, it could lead to that. And, and that's sort of the other, I forgot to bring that up is the sort of other extreme of people who who approach deconstruction of faith is that there, you know, on one side you have people who are unwilling to pull out pieces, you know, and examine them in the, in the, in the Jenga faith in the faith, you know, whatever, and the tower of faith. But there are also some who are just, you know, extremely willing to tear, just tear the whole thing down. Forget pieces. Like just, just toss the whole thing out. Like, like let's just deconstruct the entire thing down to nothing. Let's have a demolition. And so I don't want to make it seem as if, you know, everyone who has completely left Christianity, I don't want to sort of mark them as, you know, being unthinking or something like that. But I will say this though. Oh, a large amount of people that I've I've run into, and this is coming from someone who is, I've doubted a lot. Like I've had a lot of questions about Christianity. You know, I've had a lot of objections, and I feel like a lot of the people that I've 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 run into, just friends that I know, I, I feel like sometimes maybe maybe I'm just super biased. That, that could definitely be it. Maybe it's just sort of. Uh, arrogance on my end but I feel like some of the objections a lot of the objections have been sort of half-baked you know or they yeah they have baked in a sense of like there may actually be a legitimate question and concern on the surface but they sort of stopped there and it didn't it didn't lead you to probe more you know that's why I said curiosity breeds faith or feeds faith and, and vice versa like I was just talking to somebody on on my personal Facebook, and I don't really get into debates like this on comments usually, but this is someone that I actually know personally, and you know we were able to have a and I was able to just share my thoughts and one of the examples is like especially right now, 
you know, talks about um, uh, race, that's just the that's just the thing right now, you know, like, and that has a huge overlap in the conversation about faith, you know, especially for the Black American, you know, in the states or even really anywhere that has been colonized by Europeans, you know, and the 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 question that he posed was, you know, who who were black people praying to before slavery? And it was sort of this like gotcha kind of meme, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, like this sort of call back to like whatever original faith that West Africans may have had before chattel slavery, you know? And it it sort of stops at the point of like, yeah, Christianity was forced onto black people by white supremacist. And if you stop right there, then it just sounds like, well, yeah, if that's the case, then Christianity just simply isn't for black people. Isn't for dark people. White people came up with it. And that's actually a legitimate sort of a objection to some on the surface. You know, it does make you consider like, well, yeah, what place does the, does the black anyone American or whatever it may be, what, what place does a black person have in the Christian faith or dark skinned person have in the, in the faith of Christianity. And some people have sort of stopped there and see like, yeah, man, it was, you know, it was colonization and, you know, we need to get back to our, you know, the faith of our ancestors and so forth. But the sort of pushback that I had to him was like, well, when you ask who did black people pray to before slavery, it was like, well, it depends on what part of Africa you're talking about. We, we, the black Americans sometimes have a very limited um, scope of like who Africa is. And that, when we talked about this on another episode with Tusumberu about, about Africa and how it's not a monolith, it's never been a monolith, you know, it's 50 something countries in, in Africa and it's such a large continent and people have existed there for many, 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 many years, you know? So to suggest that there is some one or two or even three religions that that black people sh- should somehow be getting back to um, sort of is, it, it makes Africa seem like it was a, a monolith of faith. And it also suggests, the other part of that is, it suggests that Africa was not exposed to Christianity um, before chattel slavery, you know? And it's just not the case, you know? Um, so the idea that Europeans were exposed to Christianity before all of Africa and that is, is sort of their religion, like that in and of itself is a result of white supremacy. It's a result of washing out people of color from the history and the really not the history, but the origins, the, the early, early start of, of Christianity, even some of the very basic truths of, uh, of even Western thought as a Western approach to Christianity develops first in Africa without trying to go. I don't want this episode to just be about Africa and Christianity, but just, it's just kind of one of those examples where it's like, well, here's a legitimate sort of uh, objection that must be considered. That must be talked through. But if you stop too soon, you, you won't find the deeper answers to it, but it sounds deep on the surface. 
You know, there's something you've you've mentioned fairly regularly, I think starting like sort of top of 2019, I don't remember. This idea of traveling light yeah, through yeah. faith. Mm-hmm. In order to travel long, you must travel, travel light. I don't think you've talked much about that on this particular podcast. And yeah. I just want to know, how does that relate to this whole idea of yeah. deconstructing faith? Yeah, that was such a revelation for me. And it really has become very practical as I as I try to navigate through faith and try to really run this thing to the end, you know. And it's such an appropriate, such a apropos example, you know, for a podcast called Flights and Feelings, right? Talking about traveling. And I hope that when all this pandemic stuff is over and we get back to traveling normally, I hope more people will learn how to travel with just a carry-on and a backpack. That's it. All that packing this massive suitcase of stuff that you probably won't ever wear. We pack stuff. We pack just in case stuff. Just in case I need it, I'm going to bring it. And you don't need it. You you just don't need it. But that comes with people who are not experienced in traveling. The more you travel, the more you realize what you'll actually use on a trip. And I've just learned myself stuff that I would normally bring as a just in case. I started realizing like, Joe, you're never going to need this. You're rarely ever going to use this. So why bring it? It's just going to be taking up space in your suitcase and you're lugging that thing around, especially if you're traveling as a group and y'all are getting Ubers and stuff together like that. Those whole suitcases take up a lot of space. Get a backpack and a small carry on. And your life will be so much easier. You'll be able to enjoy your traveling much more because it's just one less thing you have to be concerned about. There's a lot of things to be concerned about when you're traveling. Don't let your luggage be one of them. And so I use that example in talking about faith. You know, I, I feel like some people feel like when they start to realize that there are parts of their faith that has been handed to them other people, these uh, traditions and things that may or may not be, you know, biblical or just um, cultural things uh, hurt um, people misusing them or being lied to. And there's a lot of things that we um, we want to carry around, you know, and what happens is we say, well, I don't want this this particular thing in my suitcase. And instead of, you know, rearranging your suitcase, instead of taking some things out and and bringing along what's needed, you end up just not wanting to take the suitcase at all. You want to just leave the whole thing altogether. Um or you carry it around that that heavy suitcase as much as you can before eventually you just get tired. I I've seen friends <laughs> who would travel around with a suitcase and eventually like got a carry on during the trip and just like left the suitcase in whatever city we were in. Like, man, this thing, I forget this thing, man. I'm getting something new. Right. And I feel like that's what some people do with their faith. And I'm like, man, if you just travel light, you realize you don't have to carry around a lot of that, that stuff, you know, the baggage that people have, have given you uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to throw it all away, you know, but we feel like there are certain parts of the faith that are just integral to being like 
a Jesus-loving Christian. And once we question a couple of things in our faith, then we kind of feel like, well, we'll just toss the whole thing. Rather than being like, well, let's just see what, what is actually necessary for the trip. Only take what is necessary for the journey. And if it's not necessary, then leave it behind. But first you need to examine what is necessary. Um, you know, a great ex- I think a great example was a friend that came to me about, you know, just having questions about faith in general or whatever it may be about, about the Christian faith. And they kind of felt like, well, I'm just going to start from scratch. I'm going to start from Genesis and I'm going to put all this Christian faith thing on hold until I can just make sense of every part of the Bible. And I was like, well, good luck with that. Cause you know, Genesis is a long book for one. And I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of it's probably not going to make sense off top. And you're just going to be stuck in Genesis for a few years um, or wherever, you know, about the Christian faith. And, you know, they kind of felt like they were having some hangups about the creation account. And it just wasn't something just wasn't adding up. And I won't go into detail about it, but ultimately what I was saying was like, well, why does the entire faith? have to be put on hold because you can't make scientific sense of Genesis 1 and 2 right now. Like, why, 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 why does the whole thing have to be paused? You know, I was actually reading this book, The Science of God. It's a really, really dope book. And, I, I mean, it's just amazing. It has changed my views on Genesis 1 and 2. But for a while, I just kind of held Genesis 1 and 2 as sort of this um, poetic expression of creation. You know, the, the Bible is primarily a salvation book, not a science book. And so I don't really feel like the original author had that in mind. You know, though God's word is eternal, like it was still written very contextually to a, a particular people for a particular reason. And that particular reason wasn't to combat, you know, the the debates that would arise in the 20th and 21st century about evolution and about, you know, the Big Bang Theory and all that stuff like that. Though I do believe that there can be solid answers that can be found, and it's going to take some time, but at the same time, I don't have to, like, throw the whole thing on hold. And I was just like, you know, I think you're, like, I think you're feeling like you can't travel until you can get this thing to fit inside your suitcase. And I'm just like, Nah, keep traveling, and maybe you'll maybe you'll pick up what you need in another country, in another city, you know. And as you keep traveling, you'll you'll learn more stuff, and just keep moving, you know. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be all thrown out just because one thing just is a hangup for you right now. My whole thing was like, when it comes to loving Jesus, when it comes to salvation and the the gospel. You know, if someone argued long enough, maybe there is some, you know, implications about Genesis 1 and 2 that could, you know, put you in or out of salvation or whatever. I don't see it that way. And if so, I still think there's grace for traveling through that, like genuinely wanting to know and like not being fake about your doubts and just th- and acting like you are okay with all the cognitive dissonance that you have, all the gaps that you have. 
And I think I just think there's grace for that, for you to stumble upon the answers as you keep traveling, as you just keep moving. So, you know, for me to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus, who who died and rose, like, I don't necessarily have to put all of that on hold because I haven't got another portion of it figured out. And even then, like, I just, I think it's just, it's, it's just grace. So that's just what I mean by like traveling, traveling light, take what you need um, and figure out the stuff as you go. Okay. So last thoughts that you have for the listeners mm-hmm. and we may have to circle back around and talk about this some more because there's so much to discuss yeah. in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though we're doing this, you know, with almost an hour, worth of of talking there's still so much more to cover this could be a whole podcast in and of itself not just episodes but just a podcast in general a theme for that yeah but what are some yeah just things to walk away with on this Mm -hmm. discussion yeah we may have to circle back around because even as i think of sort of what are some things i want people to walk away with i feel like just these last couple things could be a whole episode in and of itself you know, two things I think are the main things, and if I can get my thoughts together, I'll use this as an example. So remember in school, right? Um, halfway through the semester, or even after Christmas break or whatever, there would be a new a uh, new student that would transfer to the school, right? And if it's a new girl that comes over, all the guys are like just tripping over like oh my gosh you see the new girl every dude wants to try to try to talk to this new girl you know or all the all the girls are tripping over this new boy that just transferred over right but objectively speaking compared to people that are already at the school they're not all that amazing it's pretty the they're pretty regular degular. No shade to anybody who's been a, a regular degular transfer or whatever, but like they're pretty they're pretty normal. There's nothing like super amazing about them compared to the people that are already there. But it's the novelty, it's the newness of something that is attractive. Not necessarily what's objectively true in comparison to what's already there. And I think we may have that same energy sometimes when it comes to considering other philosophies, considering other faiths, because we, especially for the Christian who was raised in church, right? Who, who has been around Christian culture for a long time. When something new comes along, we don't scrutinize it. We don't criticize it with the, with the same energy that we have towards our childhood faith. We don't come with as much skepticism towards it as what's already been there since the beginning of the semester. So what often becomes attractive about new ideas is that itself. It's that it's new. It's that it's different. Um, It's that we've grown tired of the way that we've seen Christianity practiced and, and played out in churches. And that's a whole other Another discussion in and of itself. There's, I mean, there's obviously room for critique in that, right? I have plenty of critiques of, you know, American church culture, reform culture, you know, all kinds of stuff that I can talk about. But 
the idea that something else comes along, but we don't we don't really scrutinize it as much. I feel like we're much more open to accepting new ideas and new philosophies without the same sort of uh yeah, same skepticism. So my 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 charge would be keep that same energy. It's kind of like what I said in my in one of the early poems that I did that I think a lot of people have sort of became introduced to me through was a poem called Shadow of a Doubt. And one of the main lines in there is it says doubt your doubts. And, you know, for a poem, it sounds like this, like really like crafty, clever thing to say. But in and of itself, on the surface, it just feels good for the moment. I don't know if people really realize the practical implications of that. And that's what I mean. It's like, you know, doubt your doubts in the sense of like, you may doubt your faith. You may doubt God. You may doubt Jesus. You may doubt the Bible. Um, But I think a healthy and sort of intellectually honest way of going uh, going about things is also to question that which the culture deems as, as truth. Scrutinize it the same way. Deconstruct that the same way you deconstruct your faith and don't always go along with what is the most popular or even not that it's the most popular narrative, but that it's the most sort of uh, controversial contradicting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think some people find a kick in being contrarians, you know, being people who are against the grain, you know, avant-garde. Like I'm that dude. Like I'm a contrarian. I think at, at heart, like I love like being, like, nah, that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's really true. Like, I know everybody else is thinking that, but as soon as everyone else is, like, on board with it, I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't be on board with it just because everyone else is on this. And that's a, that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing because sometimes your angle is not so much searching for truth as it is searching for opposition, right? Just searching to not want to be controlled, to not feel like you're being controlled by groupthink. So... Um, I think some people, because Christianity in many ways is so popular or or prominent, dominant, whatever it may be, particularly in America, you know, we may be finding ourselves on a horizon where it's like everything is uh, a reaction against Christianity and whatever is anti this, I'm going to do that. Like, not even if I really know that it's fully true, but I know that it's opposite of what I've known to be true, what I've been taught to be true. And so we just jump over to that ship without really giving it the same critique. Like, wait a minute, hold on. Y'all said what? Like, mm. and unfortunately, some people have to be in a, in a, in a faith or a philosophical sort of tradition, whatever it may be long enough before for a while. And then they're just like, wait a minute, this is whack too. And you find yourself sort of moving on to the, the next wave, you know? And the last thing I'd say is this, and it may even sound a bit oxymoronic when you really think through it, but I think, or or paradoxical, really. Yeah, I think paradoxical is a phrase. I think that's what, there's many paradoxical things about the Christian faith. I think that the the Christian faith, the good news, the gospelist idea that you will never be able to ascend to the approval of God, that you'll never be able, 
You'll never have enough time in this life or a couple of lifetimes on top of yours to finally get it figured out and finally walk in such a way that you've reached sort of the pinnacle of of perfect humanity. So you need God to come off of his own pinnacle, come off of his own throne to, to show and be the way. And I think that in that space of grace, the, the Christian faith is uniquely equipped for the skeptic, uniquely equipped for the deconstruction, the deconstructionist, the, the, the doubter, you know, because I think that it, it assumes, it gives us the the perspective that there is such thing, like what we're striving for, there is a such thing as truth. Truth and, and, and perfection, no matter how much we may disagree as, as a society on perfection, it does assume that there is such thing as perfection. But it also has another realization that we'll never fully achieve it. And I think that that's what everyone's trying to do in whatever philosophical space that you may find yourself or in faith, um, religious space that you may find yourself. There is this constant striving for a, for a, for a perfection. And the gospel assumes that there is a mark to meet and yet also understands that it gives a, a really good account for the human condition and the experience that we all know all too well that we'll never achieve it. And so with that in mind, I don't have to feel like figuring things out is what gains me approval and salvation from God. That God's love towards me is somehow hinged on, predicated upon, fully dependent upon me. <laughs> um, because that sounds cool at first, like, oh, it needs to be dependent upon me, so let me do some stuff. But then you realize you have yet to figure some stuff out. In many ways, you have been learning for years, and you feel dumber <laughs> sometimes. Like, the more you learn, the more you realize, I feel like I'm learning more and not realizing I'm... I'm I'm dumber than I thought. <laughs> it's like seeing an ocean and you can see from the from the shore, quote unquote, the edge of the ocean. You can see the edge of the ocean until you start swimming and the edge keeps going further and further away and then you found yourself, you know, a couple miles out and you're like, "Yo, this mug is not ending." So, I've traveled pretty far and yet I, I feel like I'm even further from the quote-unquote edge. And that really is the, the human experience. But the dope thing is, like, God is that ocean. Like, so, like, that is the gospel. Is like, instead of, like, you trying to swim to the edge and somehow find the, the, whatever you're looking for at the edge of the ocean, and you'll never get there, and then you find yourself Oh, I'm in the ocean. Like this is this is it. Like I'm in what I've been searching for. This 
monopoly of truth that God has on existence and, and, and life. And there's nowhere that we can uh, go or be that God does not be, that God does not have reign. Um, I find myself in him. And that's where I should have been. Like I shouldn't have been trying to swim to the edge of something when I've, I've been here. I, I don't know if that's a great example, but it, it feels like my experience. And I feel like that's um, one of the most encouraging things about authentically trying to figure out faith. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the Flights and Feelings podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you're staying safe out there. I'm really excited to get back into the swing of things on this. I'm really trying to stick to a very weekly schedule now. Um, We're going to be releasing every Tuesday morning. I'm holding myself to that. I'm saying it out loud so y'all can hold me accountable. It will be every Tuesday morning where we catch flights and feelings on the podcast follow me on social media everywhere at what is joe doing you can check out my website flightsandfillings.com and then also again would love to see you all in the flights and fillings sky club where we discuss these types of things at length all the time at patreon.com slash what is joe doing i love y'all you could be going anywhere in the world with anybody else but right here so Thank you for choosing the Flights and Feelings podcast. And remember to always fly home. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 